welcome everybody. It's time once again for another edition of WVU Marketing Communications Today. Brought to you by the good folks at West Virginia University's Marketing Communications Online Graduate Program. One show where we explore unique Marcom strategies that will help you inform, persuade, and inspire your audience with the people who always do that every week here. Never fail to inspire me, Cindy Greenglass. How are you? Hello, Paul. <laughs> nice to see you. I heard you have some air quality issues down there in Southern California. Yes, can you see on, we're on Zoom today here. We're doing this by Zoom with everybody. So I put a virtual backdrop that I found. It's like this totally blacked out sky. That's the way it feels. It's kind of like Armageddon or something here. The skies are dark and cloudy and I've got a cold or something from this crappy air that we're breathing here. Truth be told, I live in Chicago and that sky kind of looks like most of what our skies <laughs> are most of the time. <laughs> it does, exactly. That's one of the reasons I left Detroit years ago. It looks like that too many months out of the year. Well, we have a great guest this week and I'm just thrilled to have Hannah Gordon joining us. She's a fellow Mountaineer alum of our wonderful WVU program, the IMC program, Integrated Marketing Communications. And, you know, this is the best part of being asked to do these podcasts is I just get to talk to so many wonderful and interesting graduates of our program. And Hannah is our latest and Hannah is a mixed methods researcher and a graduate from IMC. She has a passion for combining qualitative and quantitative research methods to recognize trends and develop strategies to achieve business goals and build products that users love. So I'm going to call Hannah the data whisperer. Mm, the data whisperer, I like that. <laughs> Hannah is currently a product insights analyst at Airbnb, where her research is focused on driving product and policy improvements. And prior to joining Airbnb, she was a research analyst at Just Answer. Hannah lives in San Francisco and is coming to us today from the West Coast as well. So Hannah, welcome. Thank you, Cindy. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. And before you go too deep into it, I have to ask about Hannah's virtual backdrop. It looks like she's on the jungle somewhere here. Is this an Airbnb uh, property that you're highlighting today here? It is. You would think I'd be in the jungle of like Ecuador or Mexico with my virtual background, but this is just a virtual photo of an Airbnb listing. So. We can all pretend that we're in some exotic Airbnb location. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, welcome, Hannah. I'm going to jump in and ask you for the benefit of all of our listeners. What is a mixed methods researcher? That's a very cool title. Absolutely. The term mixed methods refers to an emergent methodology of research of mixing quantitative and qualitative data. So as a mixed methods researcher, I'm using these different quantitative and qualitative methods to do my research and to learn more about our users and prepare research reports. So I might be diving into a data analysis and pairing that with user interviews to understand what our users needs are and why they use our product and so on. Now that's fascinating. I remember when I was in the IMC course, like you were, and I took my first analytics class and we shared the difference between qualitative and quantitative research. And I consider myself a data snob. I really am. And always felt that quantitative research was the only 
data-driven research and didn't give a lot of credence to qualitative, thinking it was biased and consumer data that's provided firsthand isn't as unbiased. Do you find that there is equally unbiased qualitative as quantitative, or do you balance them out equally in this mixed environment? Yeah, I try to balance them out. You know, with quantitative, we're looking at a larger sample of users, and so we can hear from more people measuring the quantity of something. Whereas the difference, I think, with qualitative is we get deeper into the why and to why users do things that quantitative data doesn't always answer. And that's one of the reasons I prefer to pair the two methods to get a more conclusive sample and then pairing it with more of the why and why users do the things they do. Aha, thank you. That's great. Tell me, what is product insight? This is an area that you're actively involved in with this mixed research. Yeah. Help us understand what that is. Sure. So product insights are bits of information that we discover through research that we might not have known prior to doing that research and diving deeper. And so it's these insights and information that we discover that will help our businesses move products through the product lifecycle. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary actually defines an insight as the capacity to gain an accurate and deep intuitive understanding of a person or thing. And insights is that. It's the ability to understand people and situations in a very clear way. One thing that this definition reminds me of what insights are not is insights is not data. So in today's day and age, there is a wealth of data available at our fingertips and data itself is not an insight. It's more about being able to analyze your data to find the information that stands out that in turn we can use to make informed decisions about the changes we'll make in our products. And so product insights are a way that we can connect with our users on a deeper, more emotional level. Insights can inspire action by giving you more clear direction on what to do next. Insights also can solve problems that might result in the creation of not only new customers, but could increase the retention of your existing customers. Products insights can also be used as a way to examine existing conventions and challenge the status quo. It's also a way, and insights is a clear statement of, as I mentioned, what to do next and just how to deliver value to your customers. So how do you find insights? What methods do you use to collect insights? If it's not the data, I always thought you collect the data and then it takes an individual like yourself, find the story and the data to create the insight. Can you find insights that are already created? Or is that really the human element of the art that goes with the science of data collection? Yeah, I love how you use the data whisper there. And finding insights, there's so many different methods available to find insights. And I'd say choosing the right method depends on your objective and the questions that you're aiming to answer. So if you're unsure of where to start, I always recommend tapping into your organization's internal databases. So your company is probably collecting data from users and collecting data based off of your user's behavior and the actions that users are taking while using the product. And by analyzing our internal data, we can understand potential opportunities and the impact of our users' behaviors. So when you say your internal data that you have, would this be 
in addition to transactional data, like where they've stayed and what I would call transactional data, buyer behavior, yeah. does this also include your like social media, engagement, information outside of the transaction they have with you? Absolutely. You can track user behavior and how they're using going through your website. You can track engagement. Like you said, are they engaging with your newsletters? Are they engaging with emails you're sending with the social media posts that you're publishing? So there's really no limit on what you can collect. It's just a matter if your company is collecting data or not and what they're collecting. And if they are collecting data, you can analyze. What's great about it is you can analyze historical trends. You can track your key performance indicators over time. And you can also slice your key performance indicators or KPIs to understand and dive deeper into your key metrics. I do want to note that big data, though, is not an end to itself. And there are other methods that I recommend for collecting insights. For example, if you're trying to understand your customer service contact rates, you might dive deeper and read your customer service emails or feedback that you've received from your customers to define patterns on why they're contacting you. And by doing this, you can understand the behavior that led them to contact and trends about the problems that they're having. And this is one method that I use often. Another is surveys and user interviews. So surveys are best when you're interested in collecting feedback from a larger sample of users and asking specific questions on a topic. Whereas user interviews are best if you're wanting to understand the attitudes of users around maybe designs or experiences. And that's what really will get you to the why and what we were talking about. Another method that I've used that you can use to find insights is dog fooding. And so dog fooding, quote unquote, eating your own dog food is the practice of an organization using its own product. So this is a good way to test your products in the real world and can also be used as a quality control. Dog fooding. I learned a new term today. I love it. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Another thing I want to touch on, you know, there's so many methods and we could sit here and talk about the methods to find insights all day. But one thing I want to touch on when thinking about finding insights is taking it to the next level. And one way that I do this is through automation and machine learning. So leveraging analytics tools is a very powerful way to uplevel your insights game, not only so you can get insights faster, but you can easily share them out with your stakeholders. To share a personal example, in previous roles and when I first started at Airbnb, I was relying heavily on writing queries in a program called SQL, where I was extracting data from our database, spending many hours analyzing the data to find insights. And, and though that's effective, it's not always the most efficient use of your time. So more recently, my team has built internal analytics tools that allow us to find insights much faster, where I can zoom in and out of specific data sets, I can drill down on reports to extract actionable insights from the data, all while saving time and not having to go back and write a query and spend hours manually analyzing. Well, we have one very smart data whisperer on the call with us today, and our audience I know is going to be as impressed as I am. As a marketer, I know we're going to take a break in a moment to give Paul an opportunity to chime in with us. I'd like to ask you when we come back after the break, most of us listening and most of our audience are marketers and our level of expertise in digging into data and knowing like query language and SPSS and programs. Whoa, that's the data scientists. We're the marketing people. 
I would love to have you share with us a little about your journey of how you got this combination of marketing savvy and insight with obviously enough technical skill and data analytics know-how. And if other individuals are interested in developing a career like you, how would they be able to follow a path that could get them to be a future data whisperer? So if you want to think about that while we go to a break, Paul, I'm going to hand it over to you. Just want to remind you, as always, that WVU's Integrate Conference has moved online. Marketing communications experts from a variety of industries are going to explore how and what to say during this unprecedented global pandemic. View the schedule and tune into the live sessions at integrate.wvu.edu. Don't miss it. Still online, integrate.wvu.edu. And after you check that out, you also might want to check out West Virginia University's new Digital Marketing Communications Master's Degree program. It's fully online as well and can be completed in just a year. With built-in certifications from platforms like Google and Facebook, the program gives you all the strategy and skills you need to reach audiences today on existing and emerging media like this. Learn more at marketingcommunications.wvu.edu. All right, before my voice gives out completely here, let's go back to our whispers. Sounds like I'm going to be whispering in a second here. Well, thank you, Paul. Right before our short break, I asked Hannah, she has this fascinating combination of talents, which is the marketing and insights with obviously some technical analytics skills and some software skills, maybe even some programming skills. We have individual students or practitioners who are like, wow, I would really like to see if this is something I could do. Can you share with us your journey of how you got from where you started to where you are now and some of the skills that you think are important for anyone who would like to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, absolutely. As I've mentioned, I am using research and data to identify issues with our products at Airbnb. And in turn, I'm taking those insights to influence stakeholders to make changes in the product. So for starters, I think that anyone interested in a product insights career path should definitely have an interest in data. Not only am I analyzing the data, but I'm using these analytics tools to do so. So learning to write queries and using programs like SQL and Excel will benefit you in the long run. SQL experience is gonna allow you to get data faster on your own versus having to rely maybe on someone else to help you get the data. As well as with Excel, you'll be using that to analyze data on a day-to-day. And so I recommend being able to be comfortable and familiar using these programs. If you don't have coursework in this, there's plenty of programs out there online. SQL, for example, I had no experience or Excel in getting my first role out of college. And I took courses on like Coursera and watching YouTube videos. You know, I taught myself how to use these programs. So definitely recommend that. I will say prior to joining the IMC program back in 2012, I hadn't completed any courses on data. And it was in the IMC program, I started to get my feet wet, really understood the power of data and how it can be used to identify problems and how businesses can make decisions based off the data. And so when I was in the program, I was in one of my first data roles and it felt so good to be able to take what I was learning in the classroom and apply it to my day-to-day work. 
And now eight years later, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with data. I guess you'd say I'm a data whisperer, a very analytical driven mindset. And I use data in my day to day to get things done. Now, in addition to an interest in data, I also think leadership and collaboration skills are a must if you're interested in a product insights career path. And during my undergrad at WVU, I minored in leadership studies. And it was in that program that I got hands-on experience of how to lead and influence change. So we explored cultural and contextual factors that influence behavior, influence decision-making and institutional structures. And through my leadership courses, I walked away equipped to demonstrate knowledge of leadership theories and approaches for leading and influencing. I was equipped to apply leadership approaches to analyze and evaluate the ethical implications of leadership. And I also walked away with skills essential to the collaboration process. And I think collaboration skills are essential because somebody that's in a product insights role is likely going to be working closely with other functions in the business. And so you need to know how to be collaborative and know how to work well with other types of people, such as engineers or product managers, as well as people from different cultures. One more thing I recommend, and it's kind of a given, but it's just really never stop learning. Many people I work with in this field are have been self-taught, so they don't have a data degree. They might have a customer service background or psychology or project management, and they've broken into this field just by constantly learning and reading as much as possible and networking with people that are in the field. Never stop learning. And it sounds like never stop asking why, since insights you shared at the beginning all starts with wondering why, why something happened. Absolutely. That's a great point. I'm constantly asking questions and asking why to better understand the data. And it never hurts to ask why, Cindy. So when you were young, you were one of those kids at school that always asked the teacher, why? Why is the sky blue? Why? (laughs) Oh, yeah, you bet. You bet. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Um, Talk to us a little bit about how you're using product insights and how your insights and intelligence um, is influencing your key stakeholders. Like who would be stakeholders for you? Who are you collaborating with in a general sense, the kinds of functional level people that you're um, collaborating with and how do your insights influence them in what they're doing day to day? Yeah. So influence, it does not happen overnight. And much of the work to influence involves building relationships with the people that you want to influence. So I always recommend getting to know your audience and learning how to deliver the insights to them. So on my team at Airbnb, we have a five-step framework that we follow to influence our stakeholders and get things done. And so the first step of influencing is to define your point of view. And you need to be very clear on what it is that you're trying to influence and having a deep understanding of that problem space. Now, I do this by prioritizing my findings and recommendations that are going to have the most impact. In my research, I'm uncovering a lot of interesting insights, and it's important for me to focus on the most important insights or those big bets that are going to have the highest impact on the problems that my team is trying to solve. The next step is really understanding my audience. So in order for me to influence 
I need to understand the needs and the priorities and the communication styles of those that I'm trying to influence. So I need to align my message around what my stakeholders care about. I need to build a mutual understanding around my responsibilities and actively participate with the members of the teams I'm wanting to influence. And I do this by conducting stakeholder interviews, getting to know my stakeholders on a, a deeper level. We also meet regularly, so I'm meeting one-to-one with my stakeholders on a weekly basis. The next step there is demonstrating my expertise. So over time, you're likely going to build a strong body of work that can be easily accessible to stakeholders. And so you want your work to be consistent so that your stakeholders can rely on that information. So by supporting your knowledge with stories, combining quantitative and qualitative data is going to be key there. Also collaborating with other functions to triangulate your insights and making those recommendations just harder to ignore. The next step is building a coalition. So bringing your stakeholders along your journey with you rather than doing your study and presenting the insights, bring them into your interviews, have them read data with you, read customer service tickets. And then the last step is really getting that final public commitment and working with your stakeholders to hold them accountable for making those product changes based off of your recommendations. And one thing you asked me was about who I might be influencing. The people I'm influencing most are product managers and engineers. That could vary. You might be influencing marketers or designers. The way that they differ, again, it's really about their communication styles and the needs and priorities of those you're trying to influence. So with a product manager, I'm typically influenced when a product is missing a key functionality that might be causing our users, say, to contact customer service. And so my insights are going to be specific to this and sharing stories about the problem the user is having with product managers. Whereas engineers, they might be more interested in technical bugs. So in this case, I would want to share my stories and data about how a bug is negatively impacting the customer experience and the impact there. So again, it's really key to understand the needs and the communication styles of those people that you're trying to influence. Well, Hannah, we have had a fascinating, very quick half an hour together. It is thrilling to have you as part of our podcast and to meet another mountaineer. We learned about dog fooding. We learned about collaboration and leadership skills that allow our data whisperer to be so effective. Thank you for joining us today. We wish you a safe time ahead. And Paul, we hope you get your voice back and the air clears. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Communications Today, brought to you live from West Virginia University, a weekly program that sits at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and marketing practice, only on the Funnel Radio Network, for at-work listeners like you. 